This is Tina Douglas, and you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast with your host, my husband, Liam Douglas. Enjoy! Greetings, everybody. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 308. So as I've been promising my listeners the last couple of weeks, we have a special guest on the show today. Joining us once again is the wonderfully talented and informative Skip Cohen of Skip Cohen University. Welcome, Skip. How are you doing, buddy? Wonderfully talented. <laughs> I, I, that's a new one. You are the hey, man. I'm doing. I'm doing great. For <laughs> those of you who don't know, it's I live in Florida, and when it hits 40, we panic. Um, in fact, when it hits when it hits a bone chilling 60, we panic. So this morning, this morning was 40 degrees outside, and I'm very proud of me and Sheila because we still walked this morning. Oh well, that's good. Yeah, but, but put your winter coats on though, right? You got it. <laughs> yeah, we had a bone chilling uh, 22 here this morning in North Carolina. <laughs> no, I, I grew up in Ohio, so I remember those days. Oh, but, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Ohio and Pennsylvania, they have some nasty weather in the wintertime. I don't well, know. look at what California's getting. I mean, come oh, on. Yeah. That's, you know, you've got so many people out there that said, oh, this is this is Shangri-La, except for the taxes and the gas price. And <laughs> God, they are just getting hammered with so much rain. Yeah. So. Yep. Well, hey, it's better than a drought. I know when I was out there for a while in the military, I did some cross training with the Navy SEAL unit. And this was in the late 80s, early 90s. They were in the middle of like a seven year drought at that time. So they yeah, were. I- they were screaming for rain. <laughs> yeah. When I was with uh, Rangefinder long before, you know, Platypod and everything else I've been doing lately, um, we had the Malibu fires. And when you hit those droughts and then the fires start, and we've all watched the news over the last few years, but the bottom line is we have pissed off Mother Nature and... I'm not sure when things are going to get back in line. It seems like lately there's always something. Oh, yeah. Tell me about it. And, you know, it's really funny because when you mentioned uh, pissing off Mother Nature, it always reminds me of that M. Night Shyamalan film. Uh, what was it called? The Happening? Yeah. Where the where basically the planet starts attacking humans and killing us off by infecting us with spores and stuff and mass suicides and all that crazy stuff. That was a pretty wild film. But I watched that the first time and I was thinking, hmm, I wonder if we might get to that point eventually where the planet decides to get rid of some of us. <laughs> well, I, I'm sure you can find somebody out there that'll tell you that that's what COVID is. So <laughs> and I'm not I'm not subscribing yeah, I, never mind. We're not you and I aren't even going to get into this because nah, we don't need. You'll to lose half that. your listeners, and then you and I won't talk to each other for a month. Yeah, uh, no. and speaking yeah. of, uh, just wanted to let my listeners know. Uh, I, I'll mention it again at the tail end of the episode. But speaking of platypods, and Skip mentioned that today is the start of my latest giveaway contest. And thanks to Skip and Dr. Larry Tiefenbrunn from Platypod, we have a Platypod Extreme Flat Tripod that we'll be giving away. So look for the link to the contest so you can enter in the show notes for this episode. And I want to thank you you both again. 
Oh, you're welcome. If you want to see more of what it is and watch a few videos, if you go to platypod.com, um, there's a pretty amazing video that was done by Chris Blair and his group when we did the Kickstarter campaign. And there's a lot of great content there. So, Oh, yeah. A lot of yeah. content. We'll make sure we put the Platypod link in the show notes for all of the listeners so they can check all the, the awesome content on the platypod.com website as well. Cool. Absolutely. All right, Skip. So today we're going to, we're circling back up today to discuss more about how to move your photography business forward. I know you had three sections that you wanted to talk about, so I'm going to let you go ahead and start off with your for, first portion and let's share some knowledge with my listeners that can help them with their photography businesses going forward. Okay. Well, essentially that, you know, everybody thinks of the first quarter as the slow season. And some of that is true. I mean, obviously there's some parts of the country where the weather is still good and you're getting, you're getting wedding business, for example, and plenty of event photography, a lot of things going on during the first quarter. But for the most part, the country right now is relatively slow. And I wanted to break it out into, into three topics um, into three areas of things you should be doing. Essentially, everything we're talking about is things you should be thinking about right now. And I wanted to start just to talk a little bit about your skill set. So if that sounds good to you, that's where I'm going to start. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Go All ahead, right. sir. Well, let's start with the obvious. Um, it, stop trying to be a one-trick pony for those of you out there that just want to be specialists. Not that it's not an, a, a phenomenal goal to have. But these days, you really, I believe very strongly that you need to have diversity. Now that extends down into your galleries, which we'll talk about later. But you need to have diversity in your skill set. Um, one of the things that I always suggest to photographers when you're going to a convention, for example, Imaging USA um, starts next Sunday. Um, and here's an opportunity for you to pick up the classes. And I always suggest and remind people that growth only happens outside your comfort zone. So when it comes to diversity, I'm suggesting that if you're a wedding photographer, for example, you work on fine-tuning your skills in close-up work. And every photographer, I, I'll have a, I'll, I'll be doing a class, for example, and I'll have, I'll be teaching a workshop on business and marketing, and I'll ask for a show of hands of how many wedding photographers in the room do any tabletop, and no hands go up, because they all say, well, we don't do tabletop work. Well, yes, you do, guys, because the toughest image in the whole world to get is that wedding cake in a dark room with limited lighting, with limited time, and the bride is using her grandmother's family heirloom cake knife and wants to be able to see the engraving <laughs> on the cake knife. Well, if you take a macro class or a close-up class at a conference, you start to understand things better about macro photography. So it's not really always, well, I'm, I'm not a macro photographer. Yeah, but at some point, you want to be diverse enough in your skill set. The same would go for understanding lighting. Um, I am so frustrated with people that will tell me that they're a natural light specialist. The reality is everybody's a natural light specialist or everybody likes the look and feel of natural light specialists. But when I have a photographer say to me that they're a natural light specialist, the flags go off everywhere because that means they don't understand studio lighting. They're afraid of studio lighting. Um, I'll be the first to admit, I don't do any studio lighting. 
but I also am not a working professional photographer. My passion is business and marketing, and that's where it's always been. And I could light an image just as good as Tony Corbell could. The difference is it would take me 12 hours. It would take Tony 12 minutes. <laughs> uh, but but I'd get it sooner or later. Um, the point is that if you understand your lighting on the front end, and if that's where you need help, then take a class in lighting. Look at things online. Um, Another issue on your expanding your skill set is to take a look at everything you're good at, like really good at, and everybody listening right now, you know what your expertise is. Look at those things that you're weak in that you need to get stronger. So regardless of whether or not you're going to do studio portraiture, learn how to do it. Regardless of whether or not you're going to do landscape photography, understand how to do it. Understand how to do a panorama or a vertorama. Um, being able to get the most out of all of your gear. And that leads me into one other piece on this section of, hey, don't be a gear hound. Every now and then I hear a story about somebody. In fact, Joe Busink and I wrote a book together years ago. And Joe talks in there about at some point he decided he wanted to buy a tilt shift lens because it would make his work look different. And he invested a lot of money in it. And a year later, he sold it and took a beating on, on the money he lost. First of all, it tied up his capital. And you don't want to tie up your cash flow, especially um, these days, whether you believe we're in a recession or not. Um, I don't believe we are, by the way, in terms of photographers. Yes, we're in a recession when you look at the numbers. But people buy what they want and what they like. And if you do a good job of planting the seed with your target audience, uh, you can get them absolutely pumped up and excited to spend more with you, providing you've done a good job marketing and getting them to understand the value. Yeah. I'm going to shut up for a second. Absolutely. And I agree with you 100% on there. And I always encourage photographers to expand their knowledge and their skill set. You can't you can't pigeonhole yourself into just one genre of photography. And it's interesting when you mentioned that wedding photographers say, oh, well, we don't do tabletop work because it reminds me back when I was in high school a few thousand years ago, <laughs> my uh, my photography teacher. That was, was you were you were learning by candlelight and yep. writing with with a piece of charcoal on, yep. a, on a board. Got it. OK, <laughs> exactly. go ahead. Uh, Mr. Borgeson back at my high school in Troy, Pennsylvania, he was not only the chemistry teacher, but he also ran the photography department and he did portrait and wedding photography. So anytime a wedding photographer tells me, well, we don't do tabletop work, I'm thinking the same thing you are. Why not? Because some of his biggest selling points and most popular images when he did professional weddings was he would do close-up shots of the, the pair of rings on the ring pillow and he would get close-up macro style shots of the cake and the cake knife, like you said, if it was one that was passed down through the family, that was a huge part of his wedding photography package was doing those close-up shots like that, the tabletop shots. And, and I remember him telling me, he's like, you've got to offer your clients a variety of photographs if you want to make, you know, keep your clients happy and be successful, especially when doing wedding photography. Well, when we've got the booth set up at, at some of the shows, um, we've actually got a setup that, that Shiv Verma put together. 
um, who is one of the Platypod ambassadors and, and also a very good friend and unbelievably talented artist. Um, Shiv has got a setup where he'll take the extreme, he'll put two goosenecks on it, he'll put two Luma cubes on it. And if you think about it, if you were wedding photography, this is an instant macro setup. So in terms of the ring shot, he's got a setup where he's got, he's got the lights, everything is self-contained right on top of the platypod with his camera with the right obviously you need a you need the right lens for the uh, focal distance nice depth of field and then he'll pop a little light in the back or from underneath um the rings that give it an extra tone and with that the uh, luma cube rgb panel pro um you can you can change the color that you've got there and all of a sudden you've got an instant you've got an instant macro or close-up setup and it works for flower shots. And and the other side of this is, this is wintertime. And you've got a good portion of the country that everybody is home and inside. And when you're fooling around and starting to get um, a better understanding of macro and close-up, this is stuff you can be doing indoors, whether it's on, on family jewelry that you've got or just a flower out of a flower arrangement that you happen to have. I mean, Sheila and I love to have fresh flowers in the in the winter in the house and even in florida i mean it's the winter does get cold out here uh, but it's nice having flowers in the house and if you've got that up north or wherever you are take one of those flowers and spend a few hours just playing with with macro i know uh, uh bobby lane shared an awful lot. And if, if Tony Corbell is the king of lighting, then Bobby is the queen or the empress. And Bobby last year started playing around with macro just because she's up in New England and couldn't be outside. Yeah, absolutely. That's the perfect time so. to be taking up something like that. And uh, not not that this is any kind of uh, a paid advertisement or anything, but Skip Cohen hit the nail on the head when he was talking about the portable studio setup using a platypod. I mean, that's one of the greatest setups you can do. And I've been seeing so many photographers that are using it for macro work. They're using it for um, toy photography. They're using it for all kinds of things. And like Skip said, if you have the platypod and the gooseneck, arms and the little loom cube lights on it you've got a complete macro studio right there that's all self-contained quick and easy to carry you can keep all of the components mounted on it and just put your body on when you're ready to take the shot and you're you're, you're golden i mean you're good to go yeah one other thing on on diversity too by the way and you said something just now that that triggered this in my head. Um, when you start talking about diversity, one is you want to expand your, your skill set so you've got as much depth as possible. If we learned nothing else in the last few years, um, especially once COVID came into our lives, is that things could change in a minute. And if you don't have the skill set to meet the demand, uh, for example, a lot of people started doing drive-by portraiture um, at the height of the pandemic, trying to do uh, prom shots, for example. Um, that would have been what March, March of of twenty. Is that about right? Yeah, March of twenty. I think is when the pandemic hit, and by that June, you had 
plenty of kids that were not going to their senior prom, but you had some very clever photographers that were doing outdoor portraiture. Um, and then was called, somebody called it front porch portrait, portraits, another was drive-by portraits. Um, the point is that if you've got diversity in your skill set, then you can meet the demands of your, of your um, target audience better. And the other side of this is that as you expand your skill set, just remember to keep it logical in terms of your website, which we're going we're to go to in just a second. Um, your website, for example, somebody that really gets into tabletop product photography, for example, um, that doesn't fit in a website where you're a portrait, you're in the portrait social category doing weddings and family portraiture. And the reason it doesn't fit is because it's a different audience that's buying your work. With product photography, most often you're gonna be dealing with an ad agency and they're gonna have somebody that goes out looking for a product uh, shooter that's gonna do whatever, whatever product it is that the agency is representing. And if they come into your website and they're seeing wedding, uh, that's going to shut them right off and they're going to go elsewhere. In the same respect, if mom is out looking and helping her daughter find a wedding photographer, um, she's going to go running in the other direction if she pulls up a website and it's, I don't know, gift items, spark plugs, tools, I mean, whatever it is that you're photographing for tabletop. So just remember that if you, as you start to get more diverse, if it gets to be so strong that you really want to expand your business into a totally different direction, um, just say, all right, is this a logical spinoff of where I am? So wedding photographers naturally spin off into maternity, uh, babies, children, family photography, that's all under the same umbrella and very logical. Um, and you can do it with either a separate website or you could have a, a landing page that sends people one way for your wedding portrait family work and another way for what might be tabletop product photography or fine art or landscape or something else that's totally different. Yeah, exactly. Sorry about that. It's hard for me not to be long-winded on this. <laughs> oh, you're stuff. fine, Skip. You're fine. And that's that's what I was going to say. Now, if you happen to be a photographer like me, that you have your own web hosting. I have a, I have my setup with GoDaddy, and I pay them X number of dollars a year to have a virtual server that I can host as many domains on as I want. If you're going to have the two different genres with two different websites, you can easily do it on the same server as separate domains, or you can do it on one server. And like Skip said, you can break them out with either a landing page or the other thing you can do is you can have them both on the exact same server, but set up your DNS records for the two domains so that they look like different servers. That way your, your customers, your potential clients don't know the difference. And you can easily do that with DNS record forwarding, URL forwarding, all that stuff. And you can actually have both websites on the same server in the same directory, but nobody will know that you have the two in the same system because they'll look totally separate to the public. That works. 
Yep. That's a great way to keep them segregated. And uh, absolutely, as far as diversifying your skills as a photographer, and one of the big things I was going to mention that came about due to the pandemic um, before I left Atlanta is I had several of my coworkers that were in the real estate photography game with me that branched out all of a sudden into doing live video streaming for funerals and stuff like that, because at the height of the pandemic, we couldn't come together for funerals or it wasn't easy. So she started offering live streaming video services for funerals, and she made a killing doing that. Well, I sadly, uh, Sheila and I went to a couple of funerals during COVID that were that were Zoom funerals, um, which is very strange. And yet at the same time, it was really pretty remarkable because you really got to appreciate what people had to say um, at the funeral. One is the one was the brother of a very, very, very um, good buddy out in California, and I'd never met his brother. But it was it was interesting just being able to sit in your own home and attend the funeral, but also to appreciate what was being said. Um, which which is going to jump into one more thing on your skill set. Um, we all use Zoom and Skype more than ever before, and many of you use um, either one of those two or FaceTime um, with potential clients. Learn to light yourself when you're on camera. Uh, seriously, I mean, you're, you're, you're in the visual art world, you're photographers, and there is nothing worse than then to me, a photographer that is teaching something or doing something on a Zoom call and has horrible lighting, has the camera in the wrong position, has their screen tilted the wrong way, um, has their screen tilted too much so that their head is being cut off at the bottom <laughs> um, of the screen. So and like, along with your skill set, um, Learn, learn how to be, how to look good on camera. In fact, Larry Becker has a book out called, uh, I think it's called Great on Camera, um, on, in terms of how you're going to look, how you're going to present yourself, um, get some decent lighting and lighting is not, is not expensive for this stuff because of, of, you know, the digital revolution and technology. There's so much you can do with minimal light, but just so you look good on camera. So when you're negotiating or you're talking to a client, then they know that you understand imaging. Yeah, and I would also tie in, yeah, I would also tie in knowing a little bit more about video too, because we're going to talk about your website and your about page doesn't have to be written out if you could do a good marketing video. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and especially when you're talking about the lighting for, for Zoom or FaceTime calls or whatever with clients, there's no excuse not to have good lighting, not only because of the technology we have today. I mean, you got companies making LED panels that are incredibly small and yet super powerful as far as how much light they can give out. But I've been noticing another trend recently, and it was probably brought about by the increased use of, of Zoom and everything over the last couple of years. I'm seeing more and more companies, especially if you go on uh, some of the websites like Amazon or even B&H and Adorama now, where they're offering these magnetic um, mount plates for like your MacBook. So you can just stick it to the lid of your MacBook. It'll attach magnetically. And then your loom cube or whatever attaches to this mount. So you've got no excuse not to have great lighting 
when you're on a video call with a potential client. Well, LoomCube makes that little ring light um, that's great for your phone or for your camera if you're doing video or if you're vlogging. Exactly. Um, I have, yeah, I happen to have two of those uh, LumaCube discs that they're on, they're on their own arms. They, they bolt right to my desk, uh, clamp to the desk, actually, they don't bolt to it, but they clamp to the desk and I can swing them in and out and I can adjust the intensity to whatever I want. It gives me good lighting if I'm going to be on a live call. So yeah, exactly. there you go. And another, I don't know if you know about this or not, but another thing that changed recently, and this is something that Apple did, they actually improved the, what they call their continuity protocol between their Apple devices. So the continuity and, and, uh, and I think they call it handshake and continuity or handoff and continuity. So what that means is the ability to pass things off from one device to another. So you could start uh, reading a web page, say on your iPhone, and then you get back to the house, you continue reading the exact same page on your Mac because your phone passes the, the website right off to your Mac's Safari browser. Well, now Apple has actually modified iOS, their phone software, so you can actually use your iPhone as your live streaming webcam and use the lighting that's built into it. And you just put it at the top of your monitor using one of these magnetic uh, mounts that clips to your monitor. And then your phone clips to it using its MagSafe technology. And bam, you've got a great webcam with lighting all built in. That's pretty cool. I think the bottom line to what you and I just talked about is there is no excuse to not look good on camera. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. All right. So you want to move over to website? Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the biggies today for sure. All right. Let's start by reminding everybody that your most valuable piece of real estate on the internet is your homepage. So many of you have junked up your homepage with a little bit of everything. It's got a terrible look to it. You're really trying to create an experience. So in the same way, you might have a favorite store or a favorite restaurant that you like to you like to um, dine out at. Uh, it, you want to have a look and feel to your website that creates a good experience. Now, I'm going to go through some very specific things, and there are things that everybody could be doing right now. Because your website today, as far as I'm concerned, is the equivalent of a bricks and mortar building uh, 10, 15 years ago. You're out for the same kind of traffic. You're out to get people into your store. Um, if you are in a small town or a large town and you've got you've actually got a studio off of Main Street and you've got a, a, a front window display, that's fine. But most of you do not. And most of you are looking to reach your clients. Um, via the internet. So I want to start with one is your homepage and having your homepage representative of who you are and what you do. And also remember that you want to always look at your website on, on different platforms. Just because it looks good on Chrome doesn't mean that it also looks good on Safari. Um, and you want to also you want to check to make sure that it's loading the way that it should. So let's, I'm going to jump now and we got your homepage. As far as I'm concerned, your very first um, tab at the top should be your galleries. And my argument there for anybody that wants to argue with me and feel free, um, your galleries are what's going to hook your client. 
you want them to go into your galleries and be so excited over the images they see that, I mean, this goes back to sticky features, which was an expression very early on in the internet game, that it's sticky. People don't want to leave it. They want to look at more images. They want to see what's there. They wonder, They want to be able to ooh and ah over your work. Well, one of the challenges with your galleries, and everybody listening right now has got something they need to go clean up. I can guarantee that there isn't a single listener out there. Oh, I'm pushing it now, huh? There's a single listener out there that doesn't have images on their website that need to either be updated or they never should have been put there in the first place. Every image you share in your gallery should be what I call a wow print. That means it's so strong that you'd only have to show that one image to get hired. And all of you out there, you know what a wow image is. You know when you look at one of your photographs, whether or not you're going you're gonna to barf or you're going to go, ooh, look at that. How did, how did he or she get that shot? Um, and this is where less is more. I remember doing a website review years ago where uh, the photographer had over 4,000 images uh, in her galleries. And it's like, come on. No, if it, if it looks like something Uncle Harry could have shot, then get it off your, get it out of your galleries. You don't need thousands of images. In fact, I typically tell people that you don't any more, need any more than eight to 12 great images in any one category. Now, there's always one wedding photographer out there that decides to break the wedding out into um, getting ready shots, followed by ceremony shots, followed by reception, followed by heading to the honeymoon shots. We've all been to enough weddings. We know the story of how a wedding um, follows through from start to finish. So just show a variety of images um, and not, not present them in a way that suggests that, well, you know, I'm really an engagement shooter or I'm really a getting ready is my specialty. It's the detail that tells the story. Um, you want to be able to, and this is where diversity starts to play a role in it too, because you want to be able to have those detail shots as part of what you're telling the story, along with the ring shot, along with the flower shot, table settings, but then expand it out so that it really tells the whole story of the wedding. And I know that Jerry Guionis over the years, I think he still does it, will put up an entire album. And that demonstrates his ability to tell a story. So I'm going to stop for a second on galleries. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. And I agree with you 100%. And I've seen so many photographers make the mistake of, you know, you go to their website, to their portrait gallery, and they've got four or 500 or 1,000 photos in there. I mean, it's just, you don't need that much. It's way too much. And I agree with you 100%. That was one of the big things that my portfolio professor was talking about when I was getting my bachelor's is your your portfolio your electronic portfolio, as he called it, or your gallery on your website should be eight to 12 of your strongest images, your best of the best with honors in that particular genre of photography and nothing else. You don't need to overload. And the other thing to keep in mind when I say not overloading your site that a lot of people don't consider, even if you're on a, a, a paid system like Squarespace or something like that. The more photos you have in your galleries, the slower your website's going to load. And that's not going to look good to clients. 
because the potential client's going to say, okay, well, they take good photos, but their website loads like garbage. So that's a mark against you. So you've got to remember that you need to keep the content to a minimum and only show your best work so that your website can be optimized and you can look more professional to your clients. Great point. So from your galleries, let's move over. My To me, I believe your second tab should be your about page. So your galleries are first. Now you've hooked the client. And now let's talk about yourself. But here's what I have a problem with on about pages. We've got so many photographers out there that, that in their about page, you'll talk about how you got started. Um, and you got started because your dad, your grandfather, un un Uncle Harry gave you your first camera. Um, you'll get into equipment that you shoot with. You'll get into what awards you've won. Um, if you've entered prints in WPPI, for example, or uh, PPA in competition. Now, keep in mind that your target audience doesn't may not even know what WPPI and PPA are, so they don't care what awards you've won. So unless it's a Pulitzer, and I did, I was embarrassed once, I was doing a website review and I got to this photographer's about page and I really hadn't looked very well. I just read what what he had written and I said, you know, you're, you're listing all your PPA awards here, but unless you've won a Pulitzer, don't share it. And he laughed and he said, Skip, scroll to the bottom. <laughs> And he had one a Pulitzer. So it was kind of embarrassing. But at the same time, a Pulitzer Prize, everybody knows. When you look at your about page, first of all, you have to remember your audience. In the portrait social category, 95 to 98% of the of the decision to hire you is being made by mom um, or or at least or at least a woman. And if that's the case, what they're interested in, they don't care what you shoot with. They don't care how you got started. They want to know whether or not you can be trusted. They want to know whether or not they can trust you to capture the kind of, the kind of images they want of their family. They want to know whether or not, um, they want to know why, not whether or not, sorry. They want to know why you love being a photographer. And this is where you can do an about page that talks about how your clients trust you to capture the images that are closest to their heart. They trust you to be their, their eyes and at times their heart at a wedding because the, a wedding is not a, is not a time where, where <laughs> everything goes together like, like the rest of the normal world. Actually, there is no normal world anymore. The world is totally bizarre and that would be another podcast we could talk about. But the wedding is not a time where logic reigns as king. And here you are coming along and you do need to be their eyes. You are looking for those images that, that the bride and groom will miss during the day. And they're going to miss that tear in grandma's eyes. They're going to miss the look on dad's face as he, as he hands off his, his daughter to the groom. They're going to miss those moments where you've got couples that, that have close friends that, that love them and are there in the celebration. And that's what you want to talk about in your about page. Now, this is also where video can start to play a role. And I can't think of any off the top. Oh, actually, Bob and Don Davis um, over the years, I don't know what's on their website now, but over the years have had some phenomenal um, um, videos 
talking about who they are and why they love photography. Uh, but that's where you're, if you do a video, doing a one to three minute, doesn't need to be any longer, this is not a full length film, but a one to three minute piece on who you are, being able to show you in action, being able to talk about why you love photography, what your clients trust you to capture. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. I agree with you 100% there. And I have seen so many photography websites where they're just off on a tangent on their about page, you know, talking about anything and everything and not talking about their approach to photography and how they handle things, how they shoot things and their passion for photography. And like you said, especially if you're doing anything wedding or portrait related, that's got to be there or you're not going to draw in that female audience who are generally, like Skip said, the decision makers on hiring or not hiring a photographer for one of these events. I've been both a primary and a secondary shooter at weddings, and it's stressful. It's very fast-paced, and <laughs> there's a lot of work to it. And you need to make that potential client feel comfortable in your about section that you can handle it, you can get them what they want, you can give them... You know, basically, you got to shoot that wedding as if you're part of the wedding. It's your family, and you got to get all of those great moments, and you got to be able to show that to the client. So your about page needs to bring out that information and not talk about other junk like your cameras and all that stuff. So I agree yeah, 100% on there. I mean, the bottom line is that whoever's looking at your wedding, at your wedding, at your website to hire you for a wedding, an event, a family portrait sitting, they're not that interested in what awards you won. They're not interested in how you got started and they don't care what you shoot with. You've already got credibility in that they came to your website because something drew, drew them in. And if they liked your galleries, they're now on your about page. But along with one more photo to think about, I want to talk about your headshot. Now, I have seen some of the worst headshots out there and I don't know what it is that happens to photographers who set up their camera and then bring in their 10-year-old and say, okay, you just have to push the button. Uh, <laughs> think about think about your headshot. Um, personally, I like, I like two or three images in kind of a collage. And what I like is, one is just a nice-looking, good, solid headshot. But the other headshot is, pretend I'm the photographer now, and you're Liam, you're standing behind me, off my slightly behind me, off my right shoulder, and you're going to get a shot of me, the side of my face, my camera, and then just outside depth of field, slightly blurry, is a client that I'm photographing. So you've got a shot where the photographer is actually working, and why not use that opportunity with your headshot just to remind the visitor to your website one more time about what you do for a living. So it's a shot of you in action. So again, it's it's you as the photographer. You've got the camera up to your eye. You've got a subject that you're photographing, and you've got somebody off to your right, or I guess it could be your left side too, but ideally probably off to your right side, um, slightly behind you, so that you're bringing in the client in the background, and in the foreground is you with your camera. And then there are also, I know there are some great family photographers out there that have done beautiful family shots. Not, not to show, how do I put this? They've done beautiful family shots of their own family that they include in their, in their about photograph. And that's, I'm fine with that. But I've also seen some where they've stuck 
all the kids in trees and stuff around them. Um, just show the kind of product you want to sell. And if you've done a great shot um, of your own family in there, uh, one of the things I love about Bob and Don Davis's site is they used to talk about um, the fact that they're family photographers. I mean, Bob's primary business is, is over the years has been wedding. He's now doing a lot of beautiful work outdoors, uh, outdoor wildlife, and it's worth taking a look at. But the whole idea was, hey, we understand how to photograph an event and a family because that's who we are. We're a family. And they would have a shot of the two of them and their two kids that would be included in their about section. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now, believe it or not, for the headshot that I have that I use on my website and all my social media and stuff, and it's even here on Skype, believe it or not, that's a selfie. And I did not do it with an iPhone. I actually did it when I was living at my old house. I had a little basement set up in the studio and I did the clamshell lighting using my Canon and on a tripod, of course, and I used a cable release. And that was how I got that shot. I've never had and I've never paid another photographer to do a headshot for me. I probably should at some point. But well, I, I'm not even, I personally think that one turned out great. So that's the one I've been using for a few years now. That's a good shot. But for example, if you were if you were aggressively going after to build a portrait family business. Exactly. Um, in photography then I would take your headshot as one, but the second headshot I would have, or the second shot would be of you working with a family just to get that message across one step further. Absolutely. Um, And I'm not suggesting anybody go hire a photographer to do your own headshot. I mean, if you're, if you're even, if you've only been out there for a year or two, you've obviously met other photographers in your community, get one of your friends to do the shot. Um, and do the, and in exchange, do a shot for them. Yeah, so, exactly. Trade so services got, kind of. Yeah. Uh, do, do a swap meet here. You've got your galleries, you've got your about page, you've got a headshot with it. Um, I want to start to get into other components there, and then we're going to go into blogging. Absolutely. Now, the other components, um, the other things to think about, um, one is so many of you have got email templates um, on your website. That's fine. But it's only fine if you answer the damn things. I can't begin to tell you the number of photographers who don't have a phone number on their website. And I'm trying to contact them. Maybe it's because I'm doing something um, for Tamron, for example, because um, we do a program for them with a with kind of a mini podcast kind of thing. And we're trying to get a hold of a photographer that that we think would be good and is shooting with their lenses. And then they don't get back to me. And I've had two over the last few years that we don't do anything with now. And we moved on because I couldn't wait for them to contact me anymore. So I moved on. Yeah. So if you've got an email template on the website, then please make sure you check the thing numerous times every day so that when you get an email from a possible client, be it bride or business headshot or family portraiture or maternity or babies or whatever it is, you respond back quickly. Now, the other side of this, I also believe that everybody should have a phone number on their website. And I know there are people that say, well, we live in a texting world. Bullshit. Have your phone. By the way, if you need to edit this out or clean me up a little bit, feel free. You should have (laughs) worries. All right. You need you need your phone number there. 
give people a way to contact you. And every now and then, um, in fact, there was a photographer years ago who will remain nameless, but he is guilty. Um, a friend, mutual friend of ours had passed away. This is about 15 years ago. I was trying to track him down, could not find a phone number anywhere for him, knew he had moved, could, again, could not find a phone number. And when I saw him at a convention months later and said, you know, we were trying to get a hold of you because Bruce passed away, blah, blah, blah. And his answer to me was, well, I don't list my phone number because I really don't want to get a lot of calls. That is the dumbest thing I have ever heard to this. Well, it's one of the dumbest things I've heard to this very day, because how great would it be that your work was so good that your phone was ringing off the hook that you had to go to an answering service to yeah. make sure you never missed a call? Exactly. So get a phone number. I understand that that at least half the industry are made up of part-time photographers. That's fine. You've got a day job that pays your benefits. And there's a little line about you can't afford to go full-time unless until you get to that point where you can't afford not to go full-time. So I get it. I don't have any problem at all with part-time photographers. I understand why you might not want to put your address on there, especially if you're working out of your home, but give people a phone number. Make it easy for them to call. And then when they do call, respond as quickly as you possibly can. You want to get right back to them immediately. You want to show that you've got a passion for this industry and you really want to be able to help them and answer their questions and hopefully get hired in the process. Absolutely. And I do. I mean, on my contact page, I have a link that you can click to email me directly. Directly, I don't have a one of the contact forms. And it doesn't go to some secondary email address. So if you click the email link on my business website, the email comes directly to Liam at liamphotography.net, which is my primary email address. And I've got my phone number on there. And I've had other photographers tell me, you know, I, I'm, well, I do this part time. I can't afford to have a separate business line. Yes, you can. You've got ways that you can get a free phone number from Skype, uh, from Google. Google does that as well. And it's not that hard. What I do is I have a separate phone number for my business that's on my AT&T wireless account. And being they have the technology now to do it, my primary iPhone 14 Pro Max has two lines on it. One's my personal number, one's my business number. So I'm not going to miss any calls because if you call my business number, that's the phone I've always got on my hip or in my pocket or on the table next to me. So I'm not going to miss your call. And it's not that hard to do that. It cost me $10 a month to have that extra line with that extra number go into the same phone. It's so easy today. There is no reason for people not to have a phone number on their website. Absolutely. So I'm going to hit two more things that relate to your website, um, and then we're going into blogging. Absolutely. One is one is easy navigation. Don't make people mine. Literally put on the miner's light and go digging for the information you want them to know most. Um, along with that, under navigation, um, get rid of policies on your website. Save the policies for the contract discussion if that's if that's the kind of work that you're doing. So if you're going to get hired for a wedding, that's when you do the cancellation clause. If you're getting hired for a portrait session, portrait session, other things like that, that's where you want that information. Some of you have documents on your website because you got burned once or you know somebody that did or you don't know anybody that did, but it's an urban myth out there that says that, well... You know, they, all these brides have stories of 
Uh, in fact, the, my favorite years ago used to be the photographer took so long doing the, the formal portraits that we missed our reception. Well, then shame on the bride and groom for not making that clear up front or hiring a photographer if that really did happen. And I'm sure it has sometimes out there, but make it a point to be um, supportive. Don't scare people away. Some of you have contract points on there on your website under information that would scare an IRS auditor. So that was one area that relates to navigation and content. And the other is take a look at what you offer for your products and services. A lot of you have products up there um, and offers that would put a rock to sleep. And it's a real easy thing to fix. You pick up the phone, you call your lab and you say what's new and then you just kick back and listen. And you look at what things they're offering. There's so many exciting products out there today. And even Canvas. I mean, Canvas prints are old to all of us that have been around. But for a lot of consumers, I mean, I've got a couple of huge Canvas prints here in my home. And people still are blown away by them because it's not something they've seen before. So we tend to get tired of products um, that are out there because we're familiar with them. But our client audience out there, your client audience out there, um, they're not familiar with stuff that's uh, printed on metal, printed on glass, printed on, uh, again, just going back to canvas. So take a look at everything you offer um, that you have on your website. Um, this is also where your blog comes into play because your blog can help you educate your target audience into what it is you do offer. And that's a good place for me to stop before I go to blogging next. <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah, I believe it or not, um, when I think it was one of the years I was at imaging, I got a certificate from one of the, I can't remember who it was, but from one of the print labs. And it was a voucher for one free glass print. And I got that done. What I did is I took a long exposure that I had shot from the Jackson Street Bridge in downtown Atlanta. And it was a beautiful nighttime long exposure shot over the freeway with all the skyscrapers in the background. And I had that made into that free uh, glass print. And I've gotten so many comments on that from people that have come to visit my home because they're like, wow, I didn't even realize they could print full color photographs on glass now. And I've also, the same thing, I've got a free metal print that I got another year that I went there. So I have those. And people, like you said, most clients have no idea that they can get their prints on anything other than canvas or paper. Well, that hits me. I want to hit on one more thing, which is going to sound like an infomercial. I don't mean it to be. Um, and I'm not working for these companies. But when you go to a show like Imaging USA, instead of charging into the show like a stormtrooper and and going hit or miss based on who you, who you think in your mind um, you want to see, literally start in the first aisle and visit every single exhibitor all the way down. And this is how you'll understand what everybody is offering. Um, I know, for example, I've, I've done a lot of work with Marathon Press over the years. Their Bella art prints are stunning and affordable. Um, I've got some images outside from Bay Photo that are a product called Performance EXT Metal. I've got metal prints outside. Now, again, remember I live in Florida, and yes, I have a pool, and yes, it's sunny out there most of the year. Um, but these prints haven't faded. I've got prints, I've got two prints out there that have been out there for five years. Now, under the microscope, has it faded? Probably. But to my eye, it's still pleasing 
And when you see it, it's outside. And if you think about your products that you offer and the services you offer, which would be another podcast altogether, um, think about what it is that you're you're going to get your clients excited about. Yeah, Makes exactly. Sense? Oh, yeah. yeah. And, okay. I, and I agree with you. And it's so funny because I've taken friends that are photographers with me when I've gone to imaging in the past. And they all want to clamor to Canon's booth or Fuji's booth or whoever they shoot with. That's where they want to go. And I believe it or not, I actually do it the way you do. I start on one side of the room and I visit every last booth. I don't care if you're selling backdrops, if you sell prints, if you sell camera gear, lenses, whatever. I visit every booth. I don't consider it for me a successful trade show unless I've been to every single booth over the two or three days that the event happens. Well, that's another, this is another podcast, by the way. In fact, I recently did a blog on getting the most out of a trade show um, or a convention. Um, so let's, let's go into blogging because the difference between your blogging and your website, your website is about what you sell. Your blog is about what's in your heart. And the two of them, work together just like advertising and publicity. So you've got that, you've, you're, you've got a blog or you've decided you want to have a blog. And I know there are people that these days will tell you that a blog is outdated. I don't believe it is at all. And I'll, I continue to blog. Now, again, my target is all of you out there. Uh, my target is not the in, end user, the client. My target audience is made up of of serious and working professional photographers. So the first issue is you've got to post twice a week. If you're not going to post twice a week, then put your blog away and don't blog until you've got enough content that you can post twice a week. And we're going to talk about building a stash in a minute. The point is that you want to be out there on a regular basis. You want to post on the same day at the same time each week Ideally, doing it at least five days a week makes more sense, but nobody's got that much time. Now, I do because this is what I do for a living, and somehow I morphed into being a blogger and a writer over the years. But for your blogs out there, as working photographers trying to reach an audience, post at least twice a week. Uh, and don't don't believe what they say. I mean, a lot of people will tell you Mondays are a bad day. The only thing that I've ever seen that's bad, and that's for me reaching all of you who are listening now, um, I've noticed that Friday afternoons are really slow. Um, the weekends are typically slow. So Monday is all, always seems like be one of my strongest days because so many photographers and studios are closed on Monday because they're recovering after the wedding or the event they shot over the weekend. And Monday is the day when they start doing all of their housekeeping. They're, they're downloading, they're uploading, they're tweaking images. Um, hopefully, they got it right out of the can in the first place so they're not spending an awful lot of time cleaning up their images, which is another pet peeve. But you want to be out there same day, same time, twice a week. Now, the next piece is what you're going to post, and you've got to be relevant. And I can't remember, we may have even talked about this the first time you had me on your on your show, Liam. Um, you, you've got to be relevant. And I remember doing a website review, and it was a very young photographer, female. She was very excited for me to read a piece that she had written for her blog that was hysterical. I mean, it was written like... Um, 
if she had told me she was a writer for the original Animal House or MASH, I would have bought it. Um, I'm really dating myself on old movies and old shows now. But it was very funny. And the whole story was that she and three of her girlfriends went out the night before. Um, they got completely blottoed, tanked, drunk, whatever you want to call it. Um, her one girlfriend went home with the drummer. She went home with the bass player. I mean, there was, it was, it was a very funny story to read. And when I was done reading it, I said, this is very funny. And she said, oh, thank you very much. And I said, yeah, but who's your target audience? What do you want to do in the community? She said, well, I want to be the leading family photographer. Now, here's the challenge. You've got something that's very funny. Your target audience is mom. Mom wants to trust you with her kids in front of the, in, in front of the camera to get sh family shots. And mom hasn't forgotten her days when, when she was wild and crazy. But it's not something that you want on your blog that ties back in to who you're trying to be and your content. Exactly. And that's where, yeah, that's where I love to remind people, you've got to be relevant. There's a great line I picked up years ago. If I can see the world through my client's eyes, then I can sell my client what my client buys. Now, that's very different than saying, put yourself in their shoes. You have to actually see the world through mom's eyes. You have to understand what mom's worried about. She's worried about everything from gun control and what, what kids have to face today and parents have to face with young children in the schools, all the way out through COVID, through the economy, through am I making the right choice to even send my kid to a public school versus homeschooling. There's, there's so much pressure on on parents today, um, which is also why I'm glad that that Sheila and I have kids that are adults and out there, and we don't worry about that so much anymore. But it's tough. So you've got to see the world through mom's eyes, not just you know the walking in her shoes. I don't want to walk in somebody else's shoes. My feet are going to hurt. But I have to see the world through their eyes and understand what's important. Exactly. Absolutely. And like you said, the story that that young lady showed you might have been a funny story, but how, it's not going to be relevant to the mom that's looking to hire you and be your client. So you don't want to put anything like that on your site. Now, I was blogging for a while, but I got kind of burned out doing it. Um, and so I took the blog, the blog portion of my website is still there. I just have it hidden. Um, I don't have a direct link to the blog or anything like that. And then my blog kind of morphed into this podcast. So I got tired of blogging. I was like, you know what? It'd be a million times easier to just talk about what I was going to blog about and do it and put it out there for everybody to listen to. So that's what, that's how this show kind of started. Well, that's not, that's not bad, but, but for the most part, your audience um, are serious hobbyists or serious working professional photographers. And that's fine. But if you were doing a, a if your blog target is mom out there, um, you could also tie in some, you could tie in some top podcasts. You could talk about what's going on in the community. Um, you've got to remember your target audience, but also you were talking about, you know, kind of burning out. And I understand that completely. I, I have blogged, um, we kicked this, Skip Cohen University kicked off on January 19th, 2013. So it's our 10th anniversary coming up uh, this week. Um, wow. Congratulations. <laughs> I hadn't really, yeah, I hadn't really thought about that until just now. Um, 
over 10 years, there were points, I mean, I remember getting a call from a friend that says, stop posting today. You've already posted three times. But my, but things were different then. And that's what I was doing all day, every day um, for a living. Now, one of the things you can do to avoid burnout, one is to build a stash. Um, you don't have to do every post in real time. So right now, while we're in the quote, slow season, close quote, start building a stash of topics. And Ian, I'm, I'm, Ian, I'm sorry, Liam, um, I will send you uh, a blog post I did not too long ago that's just got nothing but tips in it. Uh, nothing but content ideas that you're welcome to share with with your readership and listeners. Oh, okay. Uh, but build a stash of things. For example, every one of you out there has enough expertise that you could post at least six different blog posts on tips on how to take better pictures this year. Do a community, have some fun with it. Call a community cleanup. We're going to clean up the the trashy images that everybody in our town um, shares with each other. In other words, good exposure. Talking about exposure, even if it's with a cell phone. We all know that cell phones have gotten good enough now that they're as good as, as most of the point-and-shoot cameras ever were. Um, do a thing on... Um, composition. Do a thing on posing. I mean, how many how many images have we seen over the years where it was a family reunion and they lined them up firing squad? Talk about breaking up the planes. Set them up in the triangles. This is something that most of you know how to do when you're doing a portrait of, of three people or more. Don't put them all straight across, shoulder to shoulder, like they, you know, like they come in and shoot them all. <laughs> well, not yeah. only that, but if you have a large family like I do, you're good luck finding a lens wide enough to get everybody there in the shot go. without standing three miles back. <laughs> there you go. So you want to be able to group them, and you want to be able to decide. All right, um, let's put grandma and grandpa in the middle. Um, if you're fortunate enough to still have senior members of the family still around you, put them in the middle and then build it out from there. Um, go online and and look at look at group posing that's done in YouTube. That's where you start to get some of your expertise. But now for you to be able to share that in a blog post becomes ideal. Do a post on telling the story. Talk about the details. For example, um, one of the things that I love, which is a product that I wish more portrait and family photographers would offer, would be a day in the life shoot. Now, it doesn't mean you've got to spend the whole day with the client, but if you look at what's going on a few days before Thanksgiving, and this is going to be stereotypical because I'm just going to describe it that way, but you've got mom and grandma and the kids, and they're all working hard to make Thanksgiving dinner. Being able to tell that story and then finish with a great shot of the family around the Thanksgiving table, and you've got to do it in the first minute before, I mean, right after, right after the gun goes off, the table looks like Hiroshima after the bomb was dropped <laughs> because Jimmy, yeah, Jimmy spilled his milk and the turkey's all cut up already. But think of how much effort a family puts into those special family dinners or birthdays. And that day in the life now creates an opportunity for you to create an album, a mini album for the client that tells that story. Now, the other thing you can do besides building a stash is go off to the high school and go talk to the English teacher at the local high school and find yourself an A student that wants to moonlight a little. We're not talking about thousands of dollars you're going to spend hiring a literary expert. 
to write your blogs for you. Um, and you're not talking about them having to write it from scratch. You're going to sit down with that A student and you're going to say, hey, here's what, here's what I want. I want a blog post that talks about exposure. And let's talk about these pictures. Let's talk about, here's an example of what Phil Flash means. Um, here's an example of composition. And you're going to essentially dictate that to your A student. They're going to write you up a draft. Um, blog posts do not need to be any more than, um, they can be as little as 100 words. I've gotten away with a couple of 1,500 word posts, but they're done in bullet style. And it's very specific of things that you would want to be doing, whether it was cleaning up your website or how to get the most out of a convention or something else. But for the most part, you're talking about 100 to 400 words probably for the idea of blog post. That's not a lot and it's so easy to do and you don't have to do it all yourself. Now, once you've got your stash built up, if you know you've got 20 blog posts in the, in the pipeline and you're posting twice a week, now you can take one thing from the pipeline each week and you can take one piece that's live content or, or relatively live from something that you've done as opposed to just using your blog to show proof shots of everybody in the community you've been photographing because all that is an extension of your gallery. Yeah, exactly. And that's a, that's a fantastic idea. And see, that was the thing I struggled with is I was, I kept thinking that my blog post needed to be fairly lengthy to be worthwhile. And I was getting burned out coming up with all the ideas for it every week. And, you know, like I said, that's how it morphed into this. But the day in the life photographs are an absolutely fantastic idea. And so many photographers that do family portraits don't think to include the little extras like that. The important things that happen behind the scenes with the family that you can include as part of the overall package that well, you're you selling do it. to the client. Yeah, sorry about that. You can do it with day in the life of a pet. You could do a day in life of a family. Um, I know for a very short amount of time, my my daughter was thinking she was going to be a professional photographer. Her background was um, a degree in in working with autistic kids, and she found that that working in their environment was the only way she could get great portraits because they already had enough challenges and being pulled out of their environment to go into a studio just was not going to work. But photographing in their environment, and that's where the day in the life thing kind of spun out into something that would actually work. The other thing to use in terms of your blog when you're talking about content, one is to run a community calendar. People like buying products from companies they perceive as giving back to the community. So run a community calendar um, and start being a clearinghouse for your community, sharing all the events that are going on um, weekend to weekend, week to night to night, whatever it is that's going on with the schools, with nonprofits, with the Chamber of Commerce. And you can, in a very short amount of time, you can become the community event coordinator that keeps the calendar and it simply starts because you included it on your website. And when you include something, let's assume that you've got a walk for the fight against breast cancer going on in your community. Um, that become, that makes you an ambassador then. And being involved and being able to share that calendar and those events, you suddenly become an ambassador for breast cancer awareness, which helps the nonprofit 
that you're supporting. And at the same time, the nonprofit is saying, wow, look at that. Liam did a, did a blog post this week on our upcoming event for a fundraiser. And then the other piece to keep from burning out is cross-promote and exchange content with other artists. I mean, that's what, what I did to keep from burning out. Suddenly, I, I went out and started doing guest posts. And I mean, Scott Bourne is a very good buddy, and Scott did a number of guest posts in those in those early days. And what's great is most of this stuff for me has no expiration date on it. So as recently as last week or the week before, I ran something that Scott wrote, oh, five to eight years ago. And it's still very, very relevant. And it was all about traffic to your website and how to build a stronger website. And it was relevant. So if you can cross promote with other photographers in the community, you can offer them content from your site you get content from their site and you start to share and cross promote. And let's face it, there's enough business out there for everybody. <laughs> yeah, that's 100% true. And that's one of the things that surprises me is every once in a while I run across these photographers or a photographer who like doesn't want anything to do with anybody else in the community. And I'm like, why be closed minded like that? Um, you should, we should all be sharing as much as possible because it's a huge community and there's plenty of work out there for everybody. So there's no reason to be antisocial, I guess you could call it. Well, honest answer now, because um, we've gone, <laughs> we, well, we're not quite up to an hour. Um, do you want me to rag, go into some of these future things that everybody should be thinking about? Absolutely. Or can, okay. No, nope, go right ahead. All right, I'm rolling. And everybody, if you're if you're bored with me, then blame it on Liam. <laughs> um, first of all, I mentioned the community a minute ago. Um, you have got to be involved in your community. Now, it doesn't mean you've got to be photographing your community all the time. You could be filling ketchup and mustard bottles at a at a Friday night game, um, just to show that you're you're one of the members of the Boosters Club for the local high school. Um, you could be going in and doing a career day talking to kids in the school system about what it's like to be a photographer. If you look at most of your communities, I don't think there's a school system on the planet that has all the money they'd like to have for events. In fact, so often photography, the band, the newsletter, if the school has one, the yearbook, all of those things start getting cut long before the football team does. And I'm a big fan of, of high school sports, but it makes me crazy because less than one-tenth or one-hundredth of a percent of the kids playing high school football actually go on for a career um, in football or in sports, and yet it's really important. So I get that, but I wish there was a way to balance it out a little bit so that all those art programs didn't get cut. And that's where you can help in terms of getting involved in your community too. Um, partnerships, if you think about partnerships, Every specialty has potential partners. And I'm going to use a wedding photographer as an example because we all understand the components that go into it. Every wedding photographer is hitting a wedding and photographing. Um, there's a florist there. There's a caterer there. There's an event there. Um, there's a band there. There's a limo service there. Every one of those partners are perfect to help you save money. And if you think about an oversized six by nine postcard, and I'm a big fan of direct mail these days because there's so much, think about how much we delete 
and email me. I love the fact that I can go on my phone and if I've been out for the afternoon or if I wake up in the morning, I could delete probably 60% of my email off of my phone before I even turn my computer on. So when you think about all of that, think about those partnerships. You've got a six by nine postcard and you've brought in two partners, a wedding photographer, I'd say, bring in a florist and bring in a, a, bring in a bridal shop. So the three of you split the cost of a six by nine card. You've got the front of the card broken up into, into horizontal thirds. Um, and in that, in each of those sections is one of the partners. Each of the partners becomes an ambassador for the other two partners. And you join your mailing list. You work together on the cost for the postcard. You work together on the um, on the mailing costs. So you've got production, you've got mailing, and this oversized postcard goes out there. And where I love this, I'm using weddings as an example, but think about future seasonality. Because in a second, I'm going to talk about the seasonality that comes up with Mother's Day and prom and graduation and Father's Day. You've got community, you've got places in the community where everybody's going to go for a Mother's Day brunch or one of the more popular places. So being able to work with that venue and then work with the florist and the three, three of you split the cost of, of a postcard and suddenly you've got a mailing to plant the seed now or 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 within the next month or two with, with families that are trying to figure out what are we going to do for Mother's Day this year. And those partnerships extend into everything. For example, I mentioned Tony Corbell earlier. Tony um, is married to another photographer, Mandy. Tony and Mandy have completely separate businesses. Um, and the third photographer, and I apologize, I can't remember her name, the three of them share this outstanding studio and they split it three ways between the three of them. Tony doesn't get an extra benefit or Manny doesn't get an extra benefit. They're all separate business entities and they've split the cost of a studio. You could do the same thing with, let's assume that you want to buy one of those giant printers that we all see at the trade shows now and then because you want to be able to start to do posters or you want to do, maybe it's an exotic lens that you really, really want to have, but you can't afford it yourself. Well, splitting the cost, um, lighting setups, there's so many different things that you might be able to split the cost on. I've got a good friend in LA, Kevin Gilligan, who's part of the, um, I can't think of what it's called anymore. For lack of a better name, I'm going to call it the uh, Hermosa Beach um, Fine Art Group. I can't think of what it's called. Uh, but in any event, you've got you've got 20-some artists that share the cost of this gallery. And they all get the benefit of showing their work all the time, as well as when any one member has a gallery opening and has a special evening, the other members are getting their benefits of the creativity and the traffic. Um, you could split the cost of the studio. I talked about this at a conference years ago and I had a, a photographer come up to me the following year, all excited because she went out and with two other photographers, they actually rented um, studio space that they could all share and work together on. So partnerships, now is the time. Remember I said in the beginning, what I wanted to talk about were things that you ought to be doing now during the quote, slow season, close quote. And now would be the right time to be thinking about 
all right, who's out there that, that I might want to partner with? Maybe it's a mailing, maybe it's cross-promoting, maybe I'm going to tie in with the florist and when you hire the florist, you're going to get a discount or some kind of certificate that relates to my wedding coverage or a special sitting um, that I'm going to do, or maybe it's the other way around when they hire me you're going to get a discount on a floral arrangement, or maybe it's the fl the flowers for your wedding. Think about cross-promoting and partnerships because they're worth their weight in gold and you don't have to fly solo all the time. Oh, absolutely. And it's funny um, because believe it or not, and, and again, we're talking eons ago when I was young, <laughs> that, that, uh, that chemistry teacher that I told you about earlier that was also a wedding photographer, that's what he did. He had a partnership with the florist in my hometown and a partnership with the only jeweler in the area. So we had, it was a very small town, so we had our own florist. We had him, and then he was partnered with Gustin's Jewelry, which was the jewelry store at the time that had been around for three or four generations, something like that. And so they had a three business partnership there, and they would send out group mailings and all of that stuff um, and help generate business for each other. So you could get all three of these companies as kind of like a package deal. They would work out something between them on the inside where, hey, if you were doing your wedding and you were getting your flowers from these guys instead of out of town at another place, or and you're, you got your wedding rings from Gustin's and you were having Mr. Borgeson do your portrait or your wedding photography, then you could get a package deal on the whole thing where you got a little bit of a discount from everybody because everybody was getting work as part of that one wedding. And they were very successful doing that for decades. Well, there you go. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit you with one last event, which is coming up next month, um, Valentine's Day. Now, I'm not a big fan of boudoir, but I'm not a big fan of boudoir because I'm too old for it. Uh, <laughs> it's, not, it's not so much my generation, but boudoir is very strong today. And if you take a look at a company called photoflashdrive.com, and I don't get paid a cent um, by them, but I respect their product line and their owner's been a good friend for a lot of years. They make a lock and key um, lacquer, black lacquer box that is such a sexy product. It's the right kind of thing that you could put um, uh, four by six prints in the box, with a jump drive, with a with a key, and now it becomes something that you could add in to your for a boudoir client that now becomes something very clever in the presentation. That that's you know, like I said, if you go on photo photo flash drive and look at um, photo boxes, you'll see it right there. It's a it's it's black lacquer with a little skeleton key. It's it's a very cool product. But this is what I. This is why I love people going to conventions and trade shows, because this is where you walk the show and you start to see stuff like that that will enhance your presentation, so that you're not putting a rock to sleep. And we talked earlier on blogging. Just to go back to that for a second, your blog content can also be used to plant the seed of new products you're carrying or new services you're going to offer or day in the life, for example, as a service or legacy program where you're doing video of a senior member of the family to document their story. So there's so many things that you can have out there and I'm, I'm, I'm going to shut up. I'm, I'm all, I'm all done for now, but if you gave me another hour, I'd go another hour.
<laughs> and that is a fantastic idea. I'll have to have you send me that link um, so I can check it out later. But that the black box with the skeleton key and all of that sounds absolutely fantastic. And uh, see, and I could never do boudoir as e either, but I know it's an extremely popular genre of photography these days. Um, it has just really taken off. I know boudoir photographers that are just busy all the freaking time, not just at Valentine's Day, but they're busy all year round. And uh, and it's great for them. I mean, good for them. You know, if it's something they can do, I'm, I'm too old to be doing that kind of stuff. As a matter of fact, one of my friends, and she's been on the show a few times, she is not only a geologist, but she's a model and an actress and she does a lot of photography she does a lot of fine art nude photography with certain photographers and she and i have been wanting to get together and do a shoot for as long as we've known each other she lives in arizona and i'm in north carolina now and i told her the one time we were talking i said ellie i absolutely want to do a shoot with you someday but we'll do a themed shoot because I'm not comfortable doing fine art nude photography. It's just not my wheelhouse. Uh, well, no, but when you say fine art nude, right, ama right away, that means to me that the photographer understands lighting. Exactly. So exactly. It's a very, there's a very thin line between being over the top. It's one thing if you're over the top um, with your spouse, and that's fine. But it's just, again, it goes back to... It, it goes back to my age at this point right now. It's not something um, that I get into, but it's certainly something I appreciate when I see a really beautiful figure study. Um, and I love it when they're in black and white, and I love it when they're side lit, and they've really, they're just well done. And that's that's different. And that there's some there's some wonderful boudoir photographers out there. But again, I'm talking about this as a product for the future. If you're into the if you're in the boudoir side of the world, take a look at photo, photoflashdrive.com. Look at that lacquer box. Yeah, because that sounds all presentation. Yeah, that's so, got to be extremely all right. beautiful. All right, Skip. I think we can wrap up for today. We've gone uh, all right. about an hour and 20 minutes, which is good. Uh, like I said, when I do the interviews, my audience really loves the long interview format. And I, I told you before, I've had a couple of them that went two, two and a half hours, and they got massive Oof. amounts of downloads. <laughs> my audience seems to enjoy them for whatever reason. I know, uh, I know you said when you were doing your podcast, you found the sweet spot was 30 to 40 minutes, but... Boy, I post one that's an hour, hour and a half, and then that skyrockets to the top as my most downloaded episode. <laughs> well, if anybody has any questions, it's skip at mei500.com or skip at platypod.com. They'll both work, and you'll find me in both locations. Yep, and I'm going to make sure that I share your links, Skip Cohen University, as well as your uh, your Instagram and Twitter, if that's all right with you. I'll share those in the show notes as well, and uh, yep. so my listeners can find you. Now, I wanted to have you back on the show, not because you're a valuable source of information, but because my audience has asked for you to come back. <laughs> so well, they really loved your, your first episode and they're like, you got to have something else you can talk to Skip about. And I'm like, oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> There's millions of things Skip and I can talk about on a podcast. So that was the other reason why you're back, sir, because you are popular. Well, I, I thank you and I thank everybody else out there. I, it's much appreciated. Um, I like to think that everything that I'm sharing is still relevant to maintain and build your business. And you know what? We're, you and I are cut from the same cloth. We love this industry. And when there's that old line about if you love what you do, you won't work a day in your life. Um, I wish that was totally true because I am working and you are working. <laughs> but I love this industry. 
And if anybody's got any questions, feel feel free. In fact, I, I'll, I'll even give you the phone number if you want it. Don't, don't care because only a handful of people ever call. Uh, <laughs> uh, yep. 941-918-2223. Just remember, I'm Eastern Standard Time. If you're going to call me with a question, you better make sure that it's before, you know, six in the evening or five in the evening, ideally. Um, and I'm not getting a call at midnight from some knucklehead that said, oh, I'm really sorry. I'm yeah, out in LA exactly. and it's only nine o'clock here. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Anyway, hey, Liam, stay safe, stay healthy. I'll give you a shout after uh, Imaging USA and let you know how it's going to be. And if anybody's going to Image USA, Imaging USA, uh, Platypod is not exhibiting this year only because we've got uh, an internal issue um, with the health of one of our, our team members. But we will be there in 2024. So if you're looking for me, um, you can find me the email. I'll be in touch all day long. Exactly. And all you got to do is just listen for that voice. There's no mistake in the voice. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's oh, good. There are, times, and, uh, there are times when that voice just, I, I wish it wasn't heard so much. <laughs> well, it'd be all good right. to see uh, uh, Platypod Imaging next year. That'll be awesome. I have to, I got to look on their website and see what city they're going to be in next year. And maybe I can make it as well. And you and I can get a chance to meet in person. Be great to well, I've got a, I've already got a goal that in 2023 you and I are going to be somewhere on the on the on the planet at the same time. <laughs> um, it might be when we're on our way up uh, into into Georgia, um, or you're on your way down somewhere. But we're going to catch up for for lunch or dinner or something. That sounds fantastic. So, That'd be great. All right. All right. You hey, take care, my friend. Run. Stay safe and healthy, buddy. You too. And thank you again for sharing all of your wisdom on the show. I appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And there you have it, folks. The wonderfully awesome and wise Skip Cohen once again on the show, sharing his knowledge and information on what to do to improve your website, especially your blog, and how to think about the future and how you can keep your business moving forward. Skip is a wealth of information, and that's what he specializes in is business marketing and all of the wonderful things that tie into that. I know it's stuff that some of us don't look forward to doing as part of our photography business, but it's got to be done. And you can check out all of his content at skipcohenuniversity.com. And you can also find out more. Um, he does articles, I believe, as well for platypod.com. And you can stop by platypod.com and use that new promo code uh, that I was given, which is LD20 for 20% off on anything that's Platypod branded, not the bundles. The bundles are already discounted and not the Loom Cube or Square Jellyfish stuff, but absolutely on anything that's Platypod branded. All right, that's going to wrap up this episode. I want to thank everybody once again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you might be getting your podcast. I also want to remind you to stop by the Liam Photography YouTube channel, subscribe to the channel, watch the videos, like them, comment on them, share them out on social media, and hit the little bell icon so you can be notified when new videos drop. I do post a new video generally every Sunday. And also, make sure you get to the contest link in the show notes for this episode and get your entries in for your chance to win a Platypod Extreme brought to you by Platypod. They're not a sponsor of the show. They just sponsored the contest by providing the prize. All right. Thank you, everybody. I will see you all again on Sunday.